You are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. And just as a warning, these films might be in theaters now, or they may be from 10, 20, 30 years ago. But regardless, there's a strong possibility that I will be revealing spoilers. I might give away the plot or the ending in this review, so just be warned. The movie is The Matrix Resurrections, which came out in 2021 and was directed by Lana Wachowski. Time to fly. If you want the truth, Neo, you're going to have to fly me. And you know you know the only thing that matters to you is still here. I know it's why you're still fighting and why you will never give up. You don't know me. No? all these years to be going back to where it all started back to the matrix it stars keanu reeves carrie ann moss yaya abdul mateen jessica henwick jonathan groff neil patrick harris priyanka chopra and jada pinkett smith the genre would be mind-bending legacy sequel now if you came into the fourth matrix movie expecting groundbreaking action and gobs of pseudo-philosophy, you're going to be a bit disappointed. But unlike myself, if you actually ate up the Sleeping Beauty conclusion of that first Matrix movie, then you might just find this a satisfying conclusion to the series. And for context, I did not and still do not like the way that first Matrix film was resolved. The way that it literally took a true love's kiss from Trinity to revive Neo at the end of the climax. It always felt a bit cheesy to me. Lazy writing to resolve what up until that point had been a very inventive story. And that central story of Neo and Trinity carried over through the next two movies, generally with mixed results. It becomes more passionate and reloaded and generally works in the context of these two being very attractive warriors fighting on the same front, very much attracted to each other when they're not fighting. It's mostly physical. It works for that movie for the most part because Reloaded is a nutso trip through the looking glass where gravity is constantly being defied and everyone is apparently very horny in this world. This especially manifested itself during the now infamous slow-mo gap ad rave sequence early on, a sequence that most hated but that I kind of dug just for the sheer audacity of it. Now, Revolutions, the third movie, it felt like a drop-off to me overall for several reasons. One being that neither Neo nor Trinity are actually in it that much. Even worse, during a key moment late in the film, we witness a very awkward declaration of love between them, which is just so drawn out and clunky in its execution, it actually feels like it belonged in a Star Wars prequel. And not gonna lie, it always left a bit of a sour taste in my mouth about that movie. It just felt like an unsatisfying capper to that trilogy. Well, here, in this long-overdue fourth film, 18 years later... Director Lana Wachowski has returned to direct it, but solo. And she has made the love story between Neo and Trinity the main hook of this installment. But fortunately, 
The screenplay, co-written by Lana, David Mitchell, and Alexander Heman, is far from a conventional love story. Note, for much of its runtime, it's a very meta examination of the Matrix itself and the effect it has had on the world. And yes, I mean the Matrix movie, though in the world of this story, it's referred to as a video game. Hmm. Art, films, books, all that originality mattered. You gave us space to suck and couch flex, slimy wiki business. Yep, this is one of those kind of sequels, which has loaded commentary on previous films from the franchise. This is not always an easy thing to pull off. But within this particular universe, it actually fits quite well. It had already been established since the first movie that we were mainly dealing with different levels of reality, involving some players doing things while others were observing them in the background. And from the jump, Resurrections has a lot of fun with that scenario. Our introductory character this time around is Bugs play with just the right mix of empathy and cool by Jessica Henwick. Even though Keanu's Neo is still our main protagonist, I'm kind of fairly confident that Henwick actually has the most dialogue for this movie, which actually makes sense because her character also has the most to do. Who the hell are you? You won't remember me. But a long time ago, you changed my life. When you leapt off another roof. Back then, I was just like any other cop Pretending my life until I looked up and I saw you. It was a different you, but I saw the real you just a second before you leapt. And you never fell. I knew one day I would find you. And that when I did, you would be ready for this. If you want the truth, Neo, you're going to have to follow me. Her character starts off in the Matrix, but at least trying to initially observe what seems to be a close approximation of that opening scene from the first movie, as if this was the beginning of a loop from that same story leading to Trinity, fleeing agents, and eventually finding Neo. But as you would expect, the story veers away from what's expected, and Bugs gets directly involved. It's not the same Trinity, nor the same Morpheus. The agents are different, and apparently bringing Neo back into this world is going to be even more difficult this time around. Because Neo's human counterpart, Thomas Anderson, has been rebooted into the Matrix, and he's been there for years. He's now a top-flight game designer whose big accomplishment has been the Matrix Trilogy as video games, of course. But he keeps having dreams and visions of his adventures from the previous films. And he keeps running into this lovely woman who has caught his eye. She's named Tiffany, but she's played by Carrie Ann Moss. They both feel a connection, but they can't tell why. Are you following this? Why does this story feel like a memory? There's a part of me that feels like I have been waiting my whole life for you. And that part is like, what the hell took you so long? I don't have an easy answer. As convoluted as all of this sounds, it's all briskly paced, elegantly shot, and served well by the cast. Even though he's generally good for the whole movie, Keanu really shines the most in those early sequences as a confused Thomas Anderson getting sort of recruited by a new Morpheus 
played by Yahya Abdul-Mateen, who has just been killing it lately. He was also in the Candyman remake from a few months ago. And check out that review. And also being recruited by Bugs. Few actors are better at playing bemused than Keanu. And it's fun and engaging watching him struggle to latch on to one reality. It's also nice to see him and Carrie Ann Moss back. But the film, I have to admit, does suffer a bit from the absence of Lawrence Fishburne. All additions to the cast are pretty strong, though, especially Henwick. But none of them bring the same level of gravitas that Fishburne did as Morpheus. And speaking of those new additions, guess who's Anderson's business partner in the real world of The Matrix, or vice versa? It's an updated version of Agent Smith, but this time played by Jonathan Groff with some menace, but also with a twinkle in his eye. And we also have a blue-spectacled Neil Patrick Harris in a nice acid turn playing the analyst. Well, he's actually Tom slash Neo's therapist slash analyst within the real world manifested within the Matrix. But as you might guess, there might be more to his character. You don't give a shit about facts. It's all about fiction. The only world that matters is the one in here. And you people believe the craziest shit. Why? What validates and makes your fictions real? Feelings. Believe it or not, that's just the setup, and pretty much everything which I've revealed so far is just within the first half hour. From there, it gets wilder and wilder. Like Reloaded, we have a dizzying narrative filled with colorful characters, albeit one that's a bit more focused and insightful along the lines of that first film. We traverse between two different worlds. New alliances are made, motivations are established, and along the way, there is no shortage of kung fu fighting, gravity-defying stunts, and everyone looking quite cool wearing their sunglasses at night. So they can, so they can. Unlike the previous three Matrix films, however, the action is for the most part good. (laughs) And that's probably Resurrection's biggest weakness. It just doesn't have any of the mind-blowing action of the previous Matrix films. Nothing on the level of that helicopter escape in the first movie, or the highway chase in Reloaded, nor the dock battle of Revolutions. In each of those previous three films, there was at least one sequence which just made my jaw drop right there in the theater. Even the third film, which I'm otherwise lukewarm on. But disappointingly, the top flight stunt coordinators and fight choreographers from that first trilogy, they did not return for this installment, and it shows. The action for Resurrections is still pretty fun and well shot, especially a nifty multi-level fight slash shootout about halfway through, which features most of our key players. And the climax also features a pretty inventive twist with the action as well. Now, none of it is on the visceral level of those previous films. And that's always one of the main risks for a, quote, legacy sequel like this. If you're going to be calling back to previous films, it's going to be all the more noticeable when you don't clear the bars that they set. And the action bar for this franchise in particular has always been very high. That said, I genuinely love the way this film wraps up, even if the action isn't quite as exciting. There is one shot in particular which is so gratifying and played so earnestly that I almost just kind of leapt out of my seat. And that's the tricky tonal tightrope that Wachowski balances. For all the meta-commentary that she includes throughout this movie, she still wraps this story up with a bow of gooey sincerity. And me personally, I found it disarming and satisfying. The Matrix Resurrections doesn't completely dazzle like a couple of its predecessors. I would say it's a couple of notches below the first film and Reloaded, 
but somewhat better than revolutions. But what brings it home is an abundance of wit, intelligence, and heart. Now, the heart was always there if you were paying attention. I just find it more gratifying that I could appreciate it more now than my younger, more cynical self back in 99. And that brings us to the categories. The first category would be best needle drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film. Now talk about a song which has been somewhat overused in movies, and yet it never gets old for me. And that would be the groovy 1967 marching anthem, White Rabbit from Jefferson Airplane. The slow building beat punctuated with bass guitar combined with Grace Slick's iconic, iconic raspy vocals has just always worked for me. The song is a meditation on Alice in Wonderland, of course, and needless to say, it fits perfectly for this universe. There is a more orchestral version used for the trailer, which you've already heard. And early on in the movie, we then hear the original version playing over a montage of Reeves Thomas Anderson going through his daily mundane life while also struggling to develop a new Matrix game for his job. I just love this song. One pill makes you larger And one pill makes you small And the ones that mother gives you And that brings me to the next category, which would be wasted talent. This is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. Chad Stahelski was among those innovative stunt coordinators for the original Matrix trilogy, and he also served as Keanu's stunt double in those movies. Since then, he's become a top-flight action director in his own right, having directed each dazzling entry of the John Wick trilogy, also working again with our boy Keanu. Well, Stahelski did return from Matrix Resurrections as part of the supporting cast in a small role as, quote, Handsome Chad, who was the husband of Trinity's alter ego, Tiffany. And that's it. Yes, you have one of the premier action gurus on set for a movie which is heavily reliant on action, but you only use him as an actor in a small role? Like I said, the action for this movie suffers a bit in comparison to the previous three. And here's a guy who could have maybe been consulted a bit to make it better. That is literally the textbook definition of wasted talent. And that brings me to the trailer moment. This is the scener moment that best describes this movie. Remember the very last shot of that first Matrix movie when we hear Neo's short monologue to the Matrix, and then we hear the opening beats of Rage Against the Machines wake up, ramp up as we see him put on his sunglasses, look briefly at the camera, and then as the camera pans up above overlooking the city, we then see him fly towards the camera as the credits kick in. Yep, it's one of the fist pump endings for sure. Well, I don't want to completely spoil the ending for Resurrections, but let's just say that the way this film ends is kind of a knowing riff on that ending. 
and it is glorious. And we'll just leave it at that. And that brings me to the final category, and that would be the MVP, person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. Lana Wachowski, she had a challenging task in front of her, continuing a story which she and her sister Lily had concluded 18 years ago, a story that many, myself included, did not really find to be ending on a satisfying note. And I think she really pulled it off with this fourth film. Now, apparently many disagree as this film has received both mediocre reviews and box office, but I'm glad that she returned to this franchise, not only to give the story a more satisfying ending, but also to reclaim the themes of this universe that the Wachowskis started back in the late 90s. I just love that she took a more humanist route with this story. After what we have seen over the past two decades, with just so many people online twisting it to meet their, quote, red pill worldview. Lana is your MVP for reclaiming her creation. Set and setting, right? Oh, no. It's all about set and setting. After our first contact went so badly, we thought elements from your past might help ease you into the present. Nothing comforts anxiety like a little nostalgia. My rating for The Matrix Resurrections would be four stars out of five. The online hyperbole being directed at this movie about how it has destroyed the Matrix, how it's super woke, blah, blah, blah. It has been completely misguided. Ignore it and take that journey back to a crazy genre adventure, which just gets better and better after multiple viewings. And if you're looking to watch The Matrix Resurrections, it's available on HBO Max and it's currently playing in theaters. And that ends another mind-bending review. Please like, subscribe, and share the Living for the Cinema podcast. And follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. 